Supercharged with Anna Geary on RTE Radio 1. Supercharged with me, Anna Geary. We have a big show coming up for you this evening. We're going to talk top tips for foot health with a podiatrist. We'll talk to our very own Hugh Hick about what health stories have been grabbing attention right across the globe this week too. But first, every week on my Instagram page, as you've heard me say before, I put up a question box just about the main topic we're going to be discussing on the show to share ideas and just generally for us to chat. And this week's topic received more responses than any other topic we've ever covered here in Supercharged. And like we've dealt with some big topics, bereavement, fertility, stress. This week though, we are talking about loneliness. And the response was, overwhelming is the word that comes to mind. I was taken aback at times, quite moved and sometimes quite upset actually when I was reading the stories. So many people sent their stories in and it just got me thinking right now there are so many people in this country living in a state of loneliness. I just feel so isolated. I feel a sense of shame. Just lonely, really lonely. I miss my parents, I miss my kids and they go away. It's lonely being in the situation, but I'm finding if you talk about things, it helps and you might help somebody as well going through the same thing. It just goes to show how incredibly resilient I am. I'm a lot tougher than I initially thought I was. There really is light at the end of the tunnel. Like there's so many different types of loneliness and it's heartbreaking to hear the stories. I put up a poll this week as well and I asked, have you experienced loneliness in the past 12 months? And 84% said that they had. And you know what? I actually think that percentage would have been even higher because some of us don't actually realise that what we're feeling is loneliness or maybe we don't want to admit that's what we're feeling because it's not necessarily an older person or a person living on their own that experiences loneliness. Like You don't have to be alone to feel lonely. So on this show... I'm going to talk to psychiatrist Professor Brian Lawler about what exactly loneliness is and how we can recognise it. And most importantly, what can we do if we're experiencing it? We're going to hear lots of different personal stories in the show and I'd love to hear from you too, whether it's with your questions or just your thoughts. You can text us on 51551 or email us at supercharged at rte.ie. Supercharged with Anna Geary on RTE Radio 1. On the line now is Marion O'Sullivan, who is the carer for her brother, Stephen. Marion, you moved in to become your brother's full-time carer after your father died in 2007. What does your day-to-day look like for you as a, as a full-time carer? At the start, it wasn't too bad because he attended COPE every day and mm-hmm. my brother was alive and my brother would take him from overnight on a Saturday night. But as time progressed, he got worse and worse and he's not able to do anything for himself now mm. and my brother has passed away so I really don't get any break at all it's got more and more difficult as people with special needs get older and their carers get older it becomes more and more difficult. So you know how has it impacted on 
on you personally, I guess, because you know today we're talking about loneliness and how it, it comes in many different forms and, and being a full-time carer and, and needing to give that around-the-clock care to Stephen must be challenging as well. It is challenging. Lockdown was particularly bad. Mm-hmm. But the long nights coming in now, the dark nights, will be, you can be very lonely. You know, because there's nobody passing. I can't go out in my garden, so I don't talk to anybody and I don't see anybody and I can't go out at night. So that's it, you know. And some days the weather is bad and I might not get out all week. I'd barely get to the shops. Like, how do you try and combat loneliness? Like, what is it that you do yourself? In the summer, it's grand because in the summer I garden. I love mm-hmm. to garden. I like to draw. I cook and I read a lot. The garden, that can pa- it's very good for your head, first of all. Mm-hmm. And second of all, people pass along and I have a nice garden and they'd say, oh, they're beautiful flowers. And people ask, can they have a snip? And I propagate for people and yeah. I, I get stuff dropped on my door. Then you get to know people. You may never know their names, but you know them to see and they'll stop and chat for a few minutes. I'm sure you, like a lot of other carers in this situation, it can be quite challenging because there's a feeling of isolation as well. Like you said, you know, not even being able to get out, perhaps even in lockdown, I would imagine that was incredibly difficult as well. Oh, very difficult. It was really difficult because I have only, I have only, at the time, I had only one child living in Cork, one of my children living in Cork. And I had my granddaughter who was a nurse, so she couldn't possibly come near me, and my daughter. Um, my granddaughter would walk out some night from her own, after she was going home from work, she'd ring me and say, I'll call down for a chat, I'll stay outside the wall, and you can talk to me, and that's dreadful, like. Mm-hmm. That's dreadful, you know. You want to hug your grandchildren and mm-hmm. you want to be sitting down and making a cup of tea and hearing their news, but... Um, Yes, and my daughter was there. She got, she did get COVID, so she couldn't come near me for weeks either. Yeah. So, like, you know, in your day-to-day life, how long might pass um, from, like, I suppose, in a situation where you mightn't necessarily come in contact with people? Um, in winter, it could be a week. It could be two weeks. Really? Yes. And that's being honest with you because if the weather is bad and you can't get out, you're not going to see anybody. Marion, can I ask you, like, like how, do, how do you cope with that? First of all, you need to keep busy. If you don't keep busy and if you focus all your attention on your sibling or whoever you're caring for, it's going to drive you up the wall. And that's no good to anybody. Yeah, and, and such such a tough job is what you do. And I'm sure it's rewarding. But, you know, I have an incredible respect for carers. And I really hope that the people around you, Marion, are certainly going to be dropping in on you this winter because, you know, you deserve it. And it's so important to have that social connection. So thank you so much for coming on to highlight it and to share your story. And, you know, I wish you and, and Stephen all the best. Okay, Anna, and thank you very much for giving me the chance to speak about this once again. I want to keep it out there in people's minds. Thank you so much, Marion. Okay, thank you very much. Now, for a lot of us, like one of the the biggest causes of of loneliness is when there's a major life change. Like we've heard from Marion and her story, her circumstances changed. And some may experience this when they face into something like retirement. 
because there's, there's no one size fits all when it comes to dealing with loneliness. But I'm joined in studio now by Ray Jordan, who faced that situation and he found his own solution. Ray, thanks for coming in. You're very welcome. So tell me a little bit, you know, you were in a job that you loved and suddenly there was the prospect of, of retirement on the horizon. Like, what did that feel like for you? Oh, I suppose initially it's fearful because, mm-hmm. as most people would agree, you're heading into the unknown. And I loved work. I'm a practical person. I like creating things, making things. And the idea then of the work that I was doing, that I had to stop. Um, and you wake up each day and you wonder, what are you going to do? Um, but thankfully, there was. I did go to a uh, pre-retirement sort of programme, which helped a little. And I think just like Marion was saying in your previous interview, the secret for me was to know that I need to keep busy. Mm-hmm. And that to me is the secret of retirement, to find something to do, to be busy. And I had heard about the shed movement before I retired. And the reason I wanted to join a shed was because you'd have an opportunity in, in a particular shed to make things or have access to machinery and equipment to do things. And we're going to take a step back for a second because the idea of the men's shed is actually a, a new concept to some yes. people listening. They might never yeah. have heard about it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what a men's shed could be and what your first experience of it was. I forget initially how I came in contact with it, probably on the radio or through emails <laughs> that uh, sort of floated about. Um, but I knew it was an organisation where men could go to be, as they say, shoulder to shoulder. Mm-hmm. Men find that they're not as sociable, we say, as ladies who can talk very easily, stop in the street, have a conversation and away they go. Two men bump into one another and they sort of look at each other <laughs> and walk by. But, yeah, we do find it a little bit difficult just to sort of talk easily and freely. So the Shed Movement was set up in Australia many years ago and it spread from Australia. And in Ireland, we have the highest proportion of sheds globally than any other country. Really? There are, are, I think, over 550 sheds. Why do you think that is? Probably because of the need for it. And men like the prospect of having somewhere to go, walking into the the shed. And as they say, you know, most men might have a shed in their back garden where they go and they, you know, do their (laughs) little bit and thing and they store things and they stash things away. Um, So the shed is, as an organisation, is obviously a facility for people to visit, to be with others and to talk about anything and everything. So how then did the men's shed help you? I'd be lost without it. Really? Yeah, I really would. And... I'm not a lonely person by nature. I'm gregarious and I like to do things. I'm involved in a few things. But again, like Marion said there, you know, when the winter comes in mm-hmm. and you go home after your activities in the shed in the day or wherever it might be, you've got to face the whole evening alone. And while I was sitting outside, I was sort of thinking to myself, what is loneliness? And I sort of came up with the de- a definition that I just thought of. Loneliness is the absence of company. Yeah. Now I'm alone, I'm separated, I've been living alone for many years and I'm used to it. But it doesn't mean that you don't get lonely, mm-hmm. especially in the evenings. Now I'm out in the day, I'm in the Furhouse Men's Shed and, you know, of a role in that. I'm secretary of the shed and we organise things and we go on trips and groups and we, we sometimes try to visit other sheds because we are a shed without a shed. We use the facilities of the Furhouse Community Centre, which is great. And we use the scouts then for, for, for other activities. Um, but when that's all over, you know, there are days like a Tuesday is not a day that I'm active in the shed. 
and I have to sort of think, how am I going to get through today? Because yeah. I'd rather be busy, I'd rather be with yeah. people, talking and just getting through the day. Um, and you can be lonely. And when I told the chairman of our, of our shed that I was coming in here to talk about this, he had a good laugh and says, yeah, that, none of that applies to you, loneliness and isolation. But that's but the thing. He's not aware of the fact yeah. that I am alone. And I have a good friend in the shed, Eddie Reynolds, who's 88 and he lives alone. And he sort of spends when he's not, at, well, he has health issues, so he can't come on walks with us and mm-hmm. do all that. So he's alone a lot of the time. And I know, I'm sure Eddie gets lonely as well. Yeah. And many others, you know. See, I suppose it's different if you are single in that sense and you don't have a partner, you don't have company or whatever. Um, you, will, you can be lonely. Most people, I think even the most sociable of people will get lonely at times if they don't have an interaction with company. Again, Marion said it, you know, people pass by and if you don't mm-hmm. see them, you've no one to talk to. Yeah. And but and having that connection yeah, in the men's shed for connection. you and yeah, the purpose yeah, and the yeah. getting out there. No, the shed, as I said, the shed is a lifeline. Ray, thank you for coming into studio to share that with us. I think for a lot of people listening that may be feeling a bit lost or lonely, like I said, just find your own men's shed, you know, yeah, like find yeah. what works for you. And if you do want more information, you can Google men's sheds and, and maybe there might be one in your local area. But as we said at the beginning, like loneliness can mean lots of different things to lots of different people. And hopefully Ray's story will, I suppose, give you that element of hope that there is something out there for you. Just sometimes you just need to have a look and, and you know, and you might it might be staring you in the face. Ray, thank you so much for joining us. You're very us. welcome, Anna. Thanks for having me. Supercharged with Ali Geary on RTE Radio 1. Your whole week is lined up, everything's ready, locked and loaded, and then all of a sudden work starts backing up and you're no longer running smoothly, but we're just keeping on top of it. So I don't have to worry about it and I just can sit back and go, right, that's grand. (laughs) Sage customers like Sean keep their business running smoothly with our helpful accounting and payroll tools. Sage, helping business flow. Your next move matters. So why not move better? Start your move to permanent TSB today. Visit our Moving Bank online hub to guide you through the next steps. So don't just move bank. Move better. Search permanent TSB Moving Bank. Qualifying criteria, terms and conditions apply. Permanent TSB PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Got a lot on your plate? Cook up a hearty meal without the fuss thanks to our Meals Made Easy range. Choose from a range of 12 dishes from chicken and broccoli bake to beef casserole. Any two for €10 this week with your Tesco Club card. Produced in Ireland with 100% Irish chicken and beef. You can tell everyone they're homemade. Just make sure you hide the packaging. That's dinner sorted. Tesco. Every little helps. Product subject to availability. Excludes express stores. I've been on to 17 different people wow. and it's done no good. OK. From air in the last few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. We wish to publicly and unreservedly apologise to Miss Smith for the length of time it has taken to refund monies paid to our company's account in error. This delay is inexcusable. We confirm that a full refund has been made to Miss Smith's account and the funds will be in her account by tomorrow. I think I'm going to cry. Liveline, weekdays from 1.45 on RTE Radio 1. Supercharged with Alec Geary on RTE Radio 1.
People have been so moved by Marion and Ray's stories and I want to thank both of them again for, for sharing their stories because it's it's not an easy thing to admit that you're lonely. And people texting in here, there's more of them, like I'm lonely living in Australia. I want to go home to Ireland but fear everyone's moved on. Like it's, it's always so much tougher when you're away from home too. I am a stay-at-home mother and it's incredibly lonely. I miss the workplace chats and friendships. And that, that has to be quite isolating, especially if, you know, you, you loved that life that you lived. I'm struggling with my sexuality. It's a really lonely place for me right now. There's so many different stories coming into us. And you might not know this, but Ireland actually has a loneliness task force. And my next guest is on it. Psychiatrist Brian Lawler is also Deputy Executive Director of the Global Brain Health Institute and Professor of Old Age Psychiatry at Trinity College Dublin. Brian, thank you for joining us. There's so many messages coming in. I suppose as a psychiatrist, you've developed a special interest in loneliness. And I know I have lots of questions on people's behalf this evening for you. But first, I believe you have some questions for all of us. Yeah, I'd like to ask your, your listeners how they feel today. Just ask these eight questions. Mm-hmm. And perhaps people could make a mental note and think about their answers. So do you feel in tune with the people around you? Do you have a lot in common with the people around you? Are your interests shared by those around you? Do you feel left out? Are there people out there who really understand you? Are there people that are with you? Are there people you can talk to? Are there people you can turn to? They're big questions. Like, I guess the... The question is, are these signs that you, you might be lonely without even realising it? Well, these are questions from the UCLA Loneliness Scale. Mm-hmm. And they do tell you about the quality of your social connection, your social relationships. And they do measure the level of loneliness that you are experiencing. And we've had a lot of people actually get in touch this week about their loneliness. Hi Anna. So loneliness for me was a time in my life when my friendship groups were changing. It was uh, that transition point where people are moving away or getting different jobs and I just got very lonely. I didn't have my usual people to talk with or go out with and I found it really hard. Hi Anna. One of the loneliest times in my life was when I went to university and I would have always been a very outgoing person and I would never have had difficulty making friends. But I was surprised by the idea I had of university and the reality. And in that first year, there were Saturday nights where I wasn't going out, not because I didn't want to, but because I didn't really have the option. Um, It all came right in the end, but it definitely took a huge amount of resilience to get through that first year. I remember when I was in secondary school, I was bullied from the first day of first year to the last day of leaving certain. It was just an extremely horrible experience. I was a geek who loved superheroes and Star Wars and video games and growing up in rural Ireland, I suppose the other boys were interested in farming and hurling and football. They saw me as a bit of a weirdo, a bit of a freak and it isolated me uh, for years and I've been a loner ever since. But having said that, my confidence has come a long way. It just goes to show how incredibly resilient I am. And I'm after realising I'm a lot tougher than I initially thought I was. There really is light at the end of the tunnel. 
Brian, there's there's such moving stories talking about loneliness and, and people's experiences mm. of loneliness and we're we're hearing so many different types of loneliness on the show today. So loneliness is essentially dissatisfaction with the quality of your social relationships and, mm-hmm. and there are different types of loneliness and I think your listeners here have described them beautifully. Um, we've got social loneliness and this is where it is disruption from your social group and I think the person who went to university and had a horrible first year mm-hmm. of feeling very, very lonely, that's that's a form of social loneliness. But the other form of loneliness is called emotional loneliness where there's loss of a confidant. You've no one to talk to, no one, no one that you feel you can confide in and you feel totally disconnected and I think your listener who felt bullied mm-hmm. all those years really didn't have that confidant, that person that they could turn to and felt, you know, emotional loneliness. What often happens is that people experience both social and emotional loneliness mixtures of the two, but one can be more prominent than the other. But the most important thing about loneliness is that you know it can be transient and then it's not such a big uh, issue. But if it becomes persistent and severe, that's really what impacts on your physical and mental and brain health. And let's talk about that then for a second, about the impact on our physical and our mental and our brain health. What, what is the extent of that impact? Well, chronic loneliness is associated with increased risk of death, mortality, increased risk of stroke, heart attack, really? uh, increases your blood pressure, it can uh, disrupt your sleep. So the, the health impact of loneliness is similar to smoking 15 cigarettes per day, and it's probably worse than obesity and hypertension. Oh my God. And like even saying that, because so many people talk about the ill effects of smoking, but to think that loneliness can cause the same physical effects... And most people don't know that. Uh, most of the general public don't know that. But in fact, many doctors and people in the health healthcare professional business aren't aware of it either. And you know, this is one of the issues for the task force is to try and change policy in this area because we do have you know, a public policy and for cigarette smoking, obesity, but there isn't one for loneliness. And given the fact that we have come out of a pandemic and sometimes there seems to be almost a stigma attached to people admitting that they're lonely. It's almost as if people, it's much more prevalent now. And are people more willing to talk about the fact that they're lonely? Yeah, it's hard to say that there's anything good that has come out of a pandemic. But Mm -hmm. I do think uh, increased awareness about loneliness and the impact of isolation and social restriction on health. I mean, that's one, uh, I think, important story that's come out of COVID. And, you know, we, we also, I think, out of COVID, people begin, have begun to realise that loneliness isn't just a problem for older people. Mm-hmm. Loneliness is a problem for everybody. And in fact, younger people were much more affected by loneliness during COVID than uh, people in midlife or older people. And uh, like the messages are, are coming in here and, and there is um, a voice note that we got in right before the show as well that really struck me. Have a listen to this. Hello, Anna. I'm feeling terribly lonely and very isolated over the last six months to to a year, I suppose, if I'm really honest. Look, we're lucky. My husband and I are both working, but we're pinned to our collars at this stage between uh, hikes and the mortgage. I know everyone's feeling the interest rates to all the energy bills, to the cost of living, the even the groceries, school supplies for the kids, uniforms, everything. We're just crippled. Other people, they say they're feeling it, but they don't seem to to be having it as bad. 
they seem to be getting on with their lives, going out for dinner the odd time or still going on their summer holidays. I just don't feel like if anybody I can talk to about it. Even my husband doesn't want to talk about it. He just wants to get the head down. And I just feel so isolated. I feel a sense of shame. And um, I'm just lonely, really lonely. When you hear that, like it's coming off the back of a pandemic and then people are really feeling squeezed and feeling like they have nobody to talk to. I guess this listener is highlighting the the social determinants of loneliness. And we know that people who live in poverty are are more likely to experience loneliness than people who have uh, who who have Mm -hmm. who have uh, money. And I mean, it's it's a heartbreaking story to hear uh, your listener talk about the um, I suppose the desolation and and the, the the I guess the impact that not having money is having on them. I think there there's a disruption also in terms of normal connections outside of the home, and obviously this feeling of shame. Um, but it's important it's important to name name this name it call it what it is. Uh, and it's really this is why I think it, it, the the uh, interventions or or response to loneliness is not just you know, medical or, 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 or psychological, you really have to look at social determinants. You have to look at factors like this and their env- environmental determinants, but also things like poverty um, mm-hmm. are really, really important. And, and I think we're, you know, we're obviously heading into very difficult times now over the next number of years. And it's likely to increase the level of loneliness. And people are, are actually sending in some of their questions for you as well, Brian. So I hope you're, you're OK with answering these. So we do have an audio question, I believe. Hi, Anna. Just a question, how can I get used to living on my own? Brian, that's a lot of people are, are in that situation. Yeah, I mean, living alone is a risk factor for, for loneliness and uh, there's no two ways about it. And, and I think the only, what people have to do is really take small steps. They have to look at trying to build connections. You know, you, you have relationships with family, friends, work, and also perhaps an intimate partner. And you have to, even if you're living alone, I think you have to reach out and try to build those connections in small ways. Um, to, to build a sort of a, kind of a, a social scaffolding around you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're building a house, you have scaffolding there until the house is actually built and solid. So with regard to relationships and when you're living alone, you have to put in some social scaffolding. And that might be whatever your passion is, try to link to a club, a walking club, a choir, something that will keep you connected even though you're living alone because that is a risk factor for loneliness. But if you have connections outside of the home, at work or through friends, family or through a club, I mean, that will, will can make a difference. I suppose the, the challenge is though that if people don't have those people around them, like we are getting messages in saying that people that have been excluded or dropped from their friendship groups or even from family events being being ignored or, you know, perhaps maybe be ignored because they're single or childless among their, their friends that have families. Like these are incredibly difficult circumstances. Like what would you say to them? Well, they are very difficult circumstances because when you have this type of loneliness, which is severe and going on for a long period of time, you can develop a, a sense of, being hyper alert, hyper vigilant and maybe mistrustful. So Mm -hmm. it's harder to reach out. But I guess it's a little bit like when, you know, if somebody is, we know that exercise is is really important for your health. Um, But sometimes it's very, very hard for people to get up off the couch and exercise. Mm -hmm. But they have to, has to be a first step. There's no easy way, easy, easy way about it. 
And I think if people realize that social connection is as important as exercise to their health, they've got to try and make that first step. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying it's easy because of this sense of mistrust, but you have to try and push through it and try and, as I say, build that, that, that social scaffolding around you to try and help you. Because if you can make a, a contact and a connection mm-hmm. through a club or through an activity, it can lead to a friendship um, and, and a relationship. Mm-hmm. But you have to take that first step. And it might only be one person. It, it might, might just be one conversation. And 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 again, don't don't don't. I think it's important to manage expectations. I mean, you have to start somewhere. And having one close relationship, a confidant, can make a huge difference. You don't have to have ten friends. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, one one is enough. Mm-hmm. That, just that regular conversation. We have another audio question that's just come in. Hi Anna, I was just wondering how. You can make friends, I suppose, when you're older. So I'm 38. I suppose me and my school friends, we would have parted ways, just different values and life changes, etc. So struggling with loneliness on that front. Again, I, I think you, you have to try to look to build new relationships. And this is where, you know, if she can identify what her passion is, what her interest is, and then try to make a link in that way. Uh, I think that's that's the way forward. Uh, Somebody texted in here and said, like, why have we lost community? Life is lonelier now than ever. And I think it is due to a loss of community. I th- society has become much more uh, individualistic. You know, in, in, going back to the, the times of the Industrial Revolution, before that, you know, everybody lived together. Um, since the Industrial Revolution, people have started living on their own. Uh, and, and I guess that has, that has increased the levels of loneliness. So if you look at collectivist societies, loneliness is lower than it is in individualistic societies. So yes, we have, the, you know, loss of community, that sense of community does increase the level of loneliness. And again, this is why with the task force, the idea was around trying to create a more connected island, mm-hmm. you know, because again, the solutions for loneliness are not just at an individual level or dealing with people who are at risk. You have to look at society, at the systemic and structural issues that are increasing levels of loneliness. Mm-hmm. And this could be related to things like transport or the way you build housing. Um, so all of these things are important in terms of coming to a solution. Also building community um, can, can have a very, very powerful effect on lowering at a population level the levels of loneliness out there. And you mentioned people at risk and there are, you know, certain groups that we think of mm-hmm. when we think that are most susceptible to loneliness. But are there any groups out there that people might be surprised to learn that actually are susceptible or prone to loneliness? Well, I was just very interested in listening to your listener before I came in, uh, the uh, the caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um, so we now know that caregivers are at increased risk of developing loneliness and, and we saw this during COVID and whether you're looking after somebody with Alzheimer's disease or somebody with a physical disability th- these individuals are very much at risk of uh, of loneliness and, and this is why rela- relational support is important more important than just putting in somebody to do tasks so somebody who comes in and not just helps out in terms of some of the physical tasks but also can build a relationship with the carer is really really important because the carers are so disconnected from the outside world because of the work that they do. And I'm curious to learn about the impact of loneliness on the brain. We we spoke about the physical um, impact of loneliness, but what does it do to our brains? So it does a number of things. I mean, over time, you know, chronic loneliness over periods of years does is associated with increased risk of dementia and mm-hmm. cognitive, cognitive decline. And we also know that loneliness does affect 
memory and cognition. Now, quite subtle, but it could be enough to uh, cause some degree of impairment. Um, so th these are very, very important brain mm -hmm. effects uh, of loneliness. Um, loneliness, you know, also affects you know, can, uh, mood and it's a risk factor for depression, a very strong risk factor for depression. So people who are lonely are very much at increased risk of developing depression. I think we have um, another voice note in here from somebody. Hi, my name is Andrea. I am 45 years old, divorced with two teenage children. Um, I've experienced a lot of loneliness in different situations over the last, say, seven years or more. Between losing both my parents, I have stage four cancer. It's all lonely. It's difficult to find people who have been through my situation who can relate to it. I have great family and friends, but sometimes they don't know what to say. So I've learned mechanisms, tools for dealing with it and how to cope with it. I talk about things. Um, I go to counselling. I'm a talker and I talk to people on the street. I talk to people I meet. Um, you never know who you're going to meet who can bring something to your life to help with the loneliness. It makes me feel I'm not alone in the world. I don't have a partner. I'm currently on holidays by myself. I decided to do things by myself. I miss my parents. I miss my kids and they go away. It's lonely. It's lonely not having my parents around. It's lonely being in a situation. But I'm finding if you talk about things, it helps. And you might help somebody as well going through the same thing. So put yourself out there. It just helps with the loneliness. So Brian, Andrea is talking about, you know, how to combat loneliness. Like, What would you say is your takeaway advice this evening for listeners who are feeling that loneliness? Well, just like Andrea, I think the first thing is, is, is to name it, is to call it what it is and, and not to be afraid to speak, uh, to, to, to talk about the fact that you're experiencing loneliness. Um, I think raising awareness about the fact that loneliness does impact on physical and mental and brain health is really, really important because mm -hmm. it can encourage people to do something about mm -hmm. it. And exactly, as prioritised in the same way as would you exercise and your... Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think, you know, there, there, there is help out there and there are things you can do to, to, to decrease loneliness, but you do have to push through it. And, and, and uh, as we said earlier, in terms of building the social scaffolding around you to try and, you know, take small steps to build those connections, contact... Uh, um, and then friendship and then relationship. I mean, in, in that sequence, I mean, that, that, that's the way to go. People who are chronically lonely, um, uh, particularly emotionally lonely, I think it may be necessary to, to go to the GP, talk to the GP, and, and it, may be, it may be very helpful to get psychological support. There are forms of therapy called cognitive behavior therapy that are very, very helpful and have been shown to be helpful for people with, uh, with that level of loneliness. Also, older people I mean, can, can really benefit from befriending. And we know this from uh, studies, but also the alone provides befriending uh, for older people. And, and this type of intervention is, is quite effective uh, for uh, older people living alone who are experiencing loneliness. Well, Professor Brian Lawler, thank you so much for coming in and, and, and sharing your insights on it. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a reminder for all of us to keep an eye on each other and those around us because anybody can be experiencing loneliness. And you can go to rte.ie forward slash support for some helpline numbers that might be useful. Family Carers Ireland, Samaritans are there and 116123 and Alone is also there too. Now, still to come on Supercharged, our podiatrist is going to answer all of your foot-related questions. And next, we'll be talking with Hugh Hick. He'll be here talking about the latest health news. Supercharged with Alec Geary on RTE Radio 1. If you have a TV, you must have a TV licence. It's the law. Inspectors are calling to unlicensed homes and businesses. 
If you don't, that can mean prosecution and a fine of up to €1,000. Get yours at tvlicense.ie or any post office. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. It's the mobile sale you've been searching for. Switch to Virgin Mobile now and get unlimited data, calls and texts for only €5 a month for six months. And join a network with 99.7% coverage across Ireland. Switch in-store or at virginmedia.ie. Virgin Media, bring on amazing. Sim only contract €25 Euro a month after offer. Cancel any time on 30 days notice. Ends October 5th, 2022. For details, T's and C's and acceptable usage policy, see virginmobile.ie. Look, you've heard by now that there's something major happening in the banking industry, which will mean thousands of businesses up and down the country will have to move banks. This means that as well as change in banks, suppliers and customers will need to be notified. It's certainly not something you want to leave until the last minute. So, for a step-by-step guide on moving your business banking, search Bank of Ireland Big Move. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. We've squeezed two great offers into one great sale. Switch to Virgin Media now and enjoy 500 meg speeds as standard. That's ultra-fast and reliable broadband for just €40 Euro a month for 12 months. Want to add great TV? Then get TV360 for an extra €15 Euro a month. Switch in-store or at virginmedia.ie. Virgin Media. Bring on amazing. Subject to location and availability, new customers only. 12-month contract, 500 meg broadband, €70 Euro a month after offer. Broadband and TV, €55 Euro a month for 12 months, €99 Euro thereafter. Ends October 5th, 2022. T's and apply. See virginmedia.ie. Supercharged with Alec Geary on RTE Radio 1. I'm joined now by Hugh Hick, who has taken another deep dive into some of the health stories that have been making headlines in the past week. Hugh, how are you doing? I won't lie to you, Anne. I'm actually a little tired this week. Oh, that's, that was not what I thought you were going to say. Well, no, 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 because the reason is there's been so much going around the web this week, so many health stories, mm-hmm. and I've just been staying up all night uh, trying to take them all in which actually started to worry me a bit because, get this, it turns out that some studies are saying that uh, night owls uh, are at a high risk of uh, certain diseases. Um, oh, hang on now, because I'm a bit of a night owl myself. Oh, I know, Anna, this is really <laughs> worrying me. The setting in here, tell me. Um, so apparently at a higher risk of type 2 diabetes and uh, heart disease, uh, among others. Um, now, obviously... This is a study, so it's it's taking a general trend mm-hmm. over a period of time. But they found that night owls were more sedentary, had a lower aerobic fitness levels and burned less fat at rest, while early birds tended to form, perform better in school, more active throughout the day, and um, as a result, tended to be uh, healthier. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, it doesn't no, mean... I would that... slightly disagree with that, but maybe that's just me being biased. <laughs> oh, no, well, I mean, as I say, Anna, like, it's not going to be the 100% case for everyone, mm-hmm. but uh, it certainly made me, you know, set my alarm clock and uh, try and get my sleep, sleep. my sleep levels where they should, which I think particularly around this time of mm-hmm. year when the clocks are going to be changing, I think it all starts with sleep, which is uh, good. But I guess just to balance that out, Anna, okay. uh, I don't want to scare people without offering a solution. I have found out that uh, there is maybe a trick to help you get to sleep. Okay, uh, now you've got quicker. my attention because this is me. I, I go to bed with the best of intentions, but it's trying to go to sleep is the problem. Well, yeah. do, do you know what I think the problem is, Anna? You're probably doing the old uh, advice of counting sheep, whereas <laughs> Actually, it turns out you should be counting breaths. There's uh, the oh. four, four, seven, eight technique uh, is what they call it. And it's an old yoga technique and it's very simple. Basically, you take an in-breath for uh, four seconds, then you hold for seven and then you 
gently out for eight seconds. And, you know, you know, it's, it's a surprise, isn't it, Anna, that it all comes back to breathing. You could yeah. say it's like almost but like... seven seconds to hold your breath is, is quite a, you know, it, that would take practice for a long period of time. Like. Exactly. And I guess with practice comes, I guess, improvements. Mm. Uh, like with so many of our kind of health tips, I mean, it, you have to start and build yeah. yourself slowly up. But I think with so many of the things we talk about, it all comes back to breathing. And on breathing, uh, this one I found very fun because they've actually found a way to improve your breathing. Oh, uh, great found, segue in there, yeah, my dad. No, Thank you. It's almost like weightlifting for your breath. They've got this device and it, it has a little bit of resistance so that when you breathe in, you've got to breathe that little bit harder. Mm-hmm. And they put a number of people on this for several weeks and they found out it actually helped a lot with blood pressure because, again, it comes back to breathing. So uh, you just need to get yourself, um, I think it's a power breath, they called it. I'm not sure if they're on general market yet, but uh, a people are Googling Pearly Power Breath right now to see if they can actually buy it. Again, it all comes back to uh, the breath. And uh, last week I was saying that I'm a big fan of free lunches. So naturally... <laughs> Who isn't? Naturally, exactly. Don't they say there's no such thing as a free lunch? But anyway. and, and I am proving them wrong week by week because <laughs> I found another one this week. Uh, this time it's the Her Heart, Ma- Her Heart Matters webinar. Yes. And this is the Irish Heart Foundation. It is a free webinar for women on World Heart Day, which is this Thursday, 29th of September. They'll be bringing together a panel of experts for a conversation on women's real experience of menopause, its impact on heart health and lots of practical information to help women. It runs from 12.30pm to 1.45 and people can register by visiting irishheart.ie. So again, completely free, so well worth checking yeah, brilliant, out. Brilliant campaign highlighting um, the importance of our hearts and to stay um, as healthy as possible. Now, you love scouring the internet for trends, whether it's on TikTok or on Reddit and over the last two weeks we've seen some very interesting discoveries made by you. Have you anything new for us this week? Uh, you've, you've got me right there, Anna. You can't get me off the TikTok. And one particular trend <laughs> caught my eye this week. It was hashtag raw carrot diet. It's got over 8 million views. And uh, you know yourself, Anna. You 8 see, million? Yes, over 8 million views. And wow. you, know, you know yourself, you see these diets and they all claim to change your life. So um, this one in particular says it has an impact on uh, estrogen levels. So obviously this wasn't something I was able to test myself, but I was mm-hmm. curious as to what the science was behind it because I think yeah. it is really important uh, to find out what the science is. So I looked around a bit and a few people have been talking about it and um, I guess the results are mixed because, you know, there's a lot of fibre in carrots and mm-hmm. fibre is always a good thing and there is some science behind the fact that, um, you know, fibre will... It, improve or make your hormones happy, uh, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Uh, But, you know, what I really found was that it comes back to we should all be eating lots and lots of different veggies and you should not be putting all your hopes and dreams of your hormones on one vegetable. Yeah. It comes back to what you were saying uh, with your own hack last week um, and, uh, and about just trying to get introduce a, a variety of different yes. vegetables and into your diet. And actually speaking of that, I did buy cauliflower and I bought blackberries uh, this week because I said I would try out two fruit and veg that I wouldn't usually try. Um, I'd buy the cauliflower again. Not so much about the blackberries, so I'm not particularly fond of the the sensation in my my mouth. They can they're like squidgy or something. I don't know how to to describe them. That's a bit of onomatopoeia there, but they're not for me. But it was very important again because there's so many good things in different fruits and vegetables to try and expand what you're what you're eating. Yeah, so. totally. I mean, I, I myself used um, berries this week because I made myself uh, a bit of a smoothie because I'm, I'm a devil for just not introducing things. Uh, so I have to put them in a smoothie to get it all oh, in. Oh, there you go. You'll have to try and make that smoothie for me next week. Hugh, thank you so much for chatting with us about all those up-to-date health stories. And I will actually have another challenge coming up shortly. But right now, 
I have to say goodbye to you for another week. Thanks, Anna. Supercharged with Anna Geary on RTE Radio 1. Now, from bunions to verrucas, there is no end to the list of common ailments when it comes to our feet. Yeah, I am kind of, I'm cringing at the moment because we don't really like talking about feet, but it's so important. And what you should do, the do's and don'ts, just to keep us on our feet. And to give us some very practical advice, I'm joined now by podiatrist Jeanette Pegley-Reed from Reed Foot Care Clinic. Jeanette, thank you so much for joining us on Supercharged. Let's start with the one that makes people wince. The ingrown oh, toenail. Which one would that be, Anna? Oh, the ingrown toenail. <laughs> yeah, the ingrown, there's many of them to choose from, but we'll start oh, with the ingrown toenail. Okay, great. Well, you know, Anna, what's really interesting is at this time of the year, we tend to see quite a lot of them. Um, as you can imagine, children have spent the summer barefoot or in their flip-flops or their mm-hmm. sandals and suddenly they're getting into their shoes and we're tending to see quite a lot of ingrown toenails at this time of the year. Now, we, we do see them all year long you know, for various reasons, tight shoes, incorrect cutting of the toenails or maybe even trauma. But it's a very, very common issue in Ireland, unfortunately, for people. So they'll tend to, you know, get a little bit of swelling, a little bit Mm -hmm. of pain and discomfort in that uh, toenail area. And, uh, you know, the advice that we give to people around that is, first and foremost, if you are trimming your toenails, make sure that you trim the toenail straight across. Mm -hmm. Try to avoid those sides, Anna, where people Mm -hmm. like to you know, groom the side of their nail um, and make sure that you wear wide enough shoes and indeed socks to try and avoid it. And, and if you do have a problem, you know, you can always uh, come into your local foot clinic and get it resolved. But if you start with the basics, correct toenail cutting and wider shoes, generally speaking, people don't tend to suffer from them. And uh, Now, we do have to move on next to something equally not as nice to talk about, fungal infections. How can they present themselves? Lots of different ways, Anna, I'm afraid, both on the skin and on the nails. So, you know, uh, change in the weather at this time of the year, people tend to be prone a little bit more to uh, athlete's foot Mm -hmm. and, you know, even uh, fungal nail infections. Um, So, you know, people might find that they have a little bit of maceration between the toes or their feet might be a little bit itchy Mm -hmm. um, and they're common signs of athlete's foot. So the key thing at this time of the year, because of that change in weather, it's all around keeping the feet dry, drying between your toes when you uh, have a shower and indeed making sure that your footwear is well insulated. So we'd always say to patients, you know, um, if you are getting that little bit of an itch, then pop into your uh, local pharmacy and maybe get an antifungal um, cream or powder. And along with that, then if you rotate your shoes so that you're not wearing the same pair of shoes two days in a row. Yeah, keep them dry, Anna, keep them dry. And that's that's generally an issue at this time of the year is really about keeping your feet insulated and keeping your footwear dry. So if you rotate your shoes, throw them under the radiator when you come in in the evening, let them dry out and wear a different pair for the next day. So if you keep those feet dry and well insulated, uh, but also, you know, when you come home in the evening, Anna, you know, you want to wick away any moisture that's been on your feet for the day. So even in the cold weather, we still sweat. Yeah. So make sure you pop off your shoes and socks. And if you're prone to excessive, um, sweating which is known as hyperhidrosis then make sure that you change your socks more than once a day. <laughs> now I have to say as well if you're taking off your shoes and socks put on some slippers or something my mother used to always yeah. give out to me for walking around the yeah. house in bare feet. Yeah yeah and, th- and that's definitely a risk particularly for patients say for example with diabetes because you know really? they'd have a reduced sensation in the feet mm-hmm. so they are more prone to uh, injuries and trauma on the feet. Did we lose Jeanette? I'm not sure if we... 
I think we may have lost Jeanette. Now, I am looking at some of her other brilliant points in front of me and she did say when it comes to Verrucas, and I actually couldn't believe this, but she's the expert, so I will take her advice. The rule of thumb is that if they're not causing you a major issue, then you leave well enough alone. Because sometimes we think we've a Veruca, we instantly have to do something with it. And even in the p- case of parents that would have children that have Verucas, maybe tape them up so that they, they can't go at them and make sure, again, you they don't walk around the house barefoot. But if yeah. they're not causing trouble, oh, I think we might have her back. So oh, do, they don't want to hear from me. They want to hear from oh, you talking about their but feet. You know, but I think you're doing a fantastic job. <laughs> I there. couldn't believe it. <laughs> I really couldn't believe that because I presumed if you had a Veruca, you, you should try and, and you know, yeah. use something to get rid of it. Well, it depends. If the Veruca is painful, by all means, we would absolutely treat it for a patient. But if it's not causing any pain and discomfort, then the best treatment really is tincture of time. Let, you know, let nature take its course. It is a virus. So like other viruses that we get in the body, mm-hmm. your immune system will eventually kick in and fight it. So we we don't mind treating uh, patients if they are sore or discomfort or indeed mm-hmm. if they tend to have quite a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, we'd always advise patients to leave well enough alone and let nature take its course it, they will go and they are only verrucas in the wider scheme of all the things that can be wrong with feet verrucas are relatively yeah. minor now we'll quickly squeeze in one no pun intended let's talk about bunions Oh yeah, okay. Well, you know, there's lots of reasons why people get bunions and, you know, it can be anything like a predisposition to it. So there might be a family history. Mm -hmm. They could have traumatised their feet. I mean, someone like yourself, Anna, years and years of playing sport, you may have been squeezing your feet into football boots and caused trauma over time or it can be general wear and tear. So So what can people do? Well, you know, any surgeon will tell you that unless you've got pain and discomfort, you leave them well enough alone. But the best advice we can give anyone is to make sure that they're wearing appropriate footwear. So make what sure does that, that you know, what does appropriate mean? Appropriate wear is, well, you know, it's not the granny style shoes we're talking about, but just make sure that any runners or football boots or day to day footwear that you're wearing, that they're wide enough to accommodate your foot. Hmm. So that joint deviates over time. And if you continue to compress that joint, then it will deviate even more. So what we want to do for patients like that is unless surgery is the only option because of pain and discomfort if they wear a wide enough shoe that accommodates the foot then they will reduce the chances of that bunion getting worse Mm -hmm. and they will reduce their pain and discomfort Well Jeanette thank you so much I can't promise now that I'm not going to be wearing my narrow high heels but I promise I will rotate them okay that's a compromise thank you so much for for all of your help and thank you for those tips now I do ask um, you all to do a challenge every week this one is very simple it's around kindness it's paying it forward whether you are paying for someone's coffee that's behind you in the queue dropping in the newspaper for the neighbour maybe leaving milk and bread on somebody's doorstep just do something because kindness actually not just is good for the people who you're doing the act for it's also really good for you too because it releases oxytocin which actually helps you to feel more positive about yourself so it's very very simple challenge this week so make sure you get involved now if you've been affected by anything that we've talked about on today's show go to rte.ie forward slash support for a list of those helpline numbers thank you to everybody text in thank you to our guests and to all of my team here join us again next Sunday but now more than ever mind yourselves and mind each other Supercharged with Alec Geary on RTE Radio 1